0: everybody and welcome to another exciting dfs strategy session for sports ethos nba dfs today i am your host keith cork and i am joined for this strategy session which is strategy session number three uh, which we're going to cover projecting ownership for you guys i'm happy to be joined here by mr stan sun of the athletic draft kings rasball Contributor all around for many different fantasy sports balls, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and a, and a good friend because he you know uh, Stan and I are, we're actually Stan <laughs> and I are actually in a, uh, uh, one of the most unique fantasy basketball leagues I've ever played in, which I'm really enjoying by the way. Thank you for setting it up. But it's through Ball. and uh, well we we met through Res Ball, obviously, but yeah. uh, Dynasty League with which is also auction salary. And it's also roto, but it's also head to head. We've got <laughs> we have regular everything. season standings. We yeah. got, yeah, it's, it's got everything, man. It's a big, big experiment. But, anyways, well, uh, how are you, Stan? How are you, son? And, you know, how have you been? Let me, you know, let me have you introduce yourself to uh, the listeners of, of DFS today and uh, tell us a little bit about your history, you know, DFS and basketball.
1: No, I'm uh, very honored to be on this. Uh, three, is a good number. It's a holy trinity. So, um, you know, it's a, I guess I am blessed to be on, on the third edition. Um, yeah, man, no, I'm always humbled. You know, we've we've done a few pods in the past. It's always a blast. Um, you know, we met through Razzball, and then uh, from there, it just kind of exploded. I'm really happy to see kind of you spreading your wings, right, going over Sportitos. I know you're doing a couple of other stuff. So, um, yeah, man, it's really good to see it. So, you know, continue doing what you're doing and, and good stuff out there
0: appreciate it man yeah and, you know I, i've always uh, been a follower of you for like you know good getting good details about uh basketball and about you know different dfs stuff and stuff like that so uh always always a good follow mr stan Sun, if you can find him on twitter uh give him a follow we'll, we'll hit that at the end though give people a chance to find you out there but hey man let's get down to it man let's just All talk right. about dfs so you know we want to talk about projecting ownership so like you know I guess for me, you know, well, just kind of a general question, just to kind of get us, you know, kicked off here is, uh, you know, how? I mean, the easiest one is the, the very simple one at the top of my mind is, how do you go about doing that? I mean, do you use different tools to project ownership? Uh, do you just kind of look at previous ownership? You know, uh, personally, how how do you handle figuring out who's going to be the most owned, you know, star on a slate?
1: Yeah, so I think usually, um. You know, I mean, I keep track of, you know, daily box scores and I try to watch as much games as I can. So I kind of have like a general pulse uh, on things. And then obviously uh, when you look through kind of the prior days contest, uh, you know, you'll look at all the numbers. So right there, that kind of gives you a foundation and a base. Uh, And then, you know, looking at the next day slate or the day slate, uh, you know, looking at Vegas numbers, I think that's probably the easiest one because, uh, most people look at that anyways, you know, which game mm-hmm. has the highest total, things like that. And then uh probably injuries. Injuries probably the biggest one. You know, obviously if a guy's out, uh you know his replacement, you know, most people flock to there, right? That's that's mm-hmm. that's probably the easiest one. Um and then I think it's just you know, a lot of the game is pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, right? So um things that you've seen or how things have happened in the past, uh, you know, like the big disclaimer is Uh, you know past results are not indicative of future results right but at the same time uh, a lot of people do use that you know there's a reason why there's recency bias and there's a reason why certain things kind of history are itself so that Mm kind of gives a a, a gauge you know I do think that a lot of players are getting a lot smarter a lot of sharper so from them from there um, you know I have access to like fantasy labs tools so I'll kind of like look at them and uh, that's mainly just to see if I miss anything uh, mm. and to see if I'm like off on anything. But I think most of it is, yeah. So Vegas injuries and then just kind of experience, right? Like, yeah. like you'll see uh, how certain situations play out in the past, and then y- more often than not, uh, it usually repl- it usually replicates itself. So
0: and that's interesting. I mean, I think you're totally right, though, uh, son, because you know. I played DFS on FanDuel for like, I don't know, what, five, six years? Like, it's been however long it's been around, basically. I started Mm -hmm. playing at Rakeway when it was there, and I sucked those first years, man. Like, I just, I was paying for my education because, like, I did not know what the hell I was doing. And, like, always got to pay
1: tuition. Yeah, yeah, I don't.
0: I don't think anyone that's just starting out like if you're just starting out dfs you, you found this podcast first of all welcome welcome to this hellscape uh, we're gonna go we're gonna try to navigate it together yeah. but uh but yeah i think you're gonna suck for a while i think it's gonna be one of those things where you have to do a little bit of trial and error and you have to learn some things and it is really much very much pattern recognition you know yeah. uh you know if a and if a happens most people are gonna flock to b and do i want to do b or do i want to do c and to get to that point. You just have to take your lumps you know or you have to either hit or take your lumps i guess you could get lucky and, and hit and then you know okay i'm gonna do this again next time um but no i think that's totally right though you know i think one of the biggest fallacies especially with new players and what i was doing a lot in my first few years was you know waiting until that injury news drops close to the tip and saying oh my gosh This guy is going to get, you know, 30 minutes as opposed to this guy that was already playing 30 minutes. And obviously that's a lot because obviously that guy's way underpriced. And that's not always the case. I mean, just because a guy gets 30 minutes or 25 minutes or or whatever it is, that doesn't mean he's going to hit, you know, value for you on DFS. It's not a guarantee. It's not a given. You have to see, you know, hopefully there's info available about what they did in the past with that that situation. But if there's not info available for that, you have to just kind of. Be familiar with the team, like you said. You have to watch these games. You have to understand. Uh, one of the things that I do, obviously, that uh, I've suggested to people is following beat writers on Twitter because they are, you know, locked into the team. They know who's going to step in, who's looking good in camp, who's, uh, you know, who the coaching staff has confidence in. That's a big thing too. So, like, you know, stuff like that does help. Um, but really, the thing that helps the most is what you said, is is just watching those games and understanding, you know, this guy looks good in this situation. This guy looks good in this kind of game. And this is that kind of game. And you don't re- recognize, you know, is this a run again game? Is this a slow down, play half court style game? Unless you really are familiar with those teams. So but so let me t- t- talk to me a little bit about, you know, the replacement players. And, you know, are you like when do you make that decision to say, OK, this replacement player? It makes sense. Like, is there a certain x, you know, six x value, say the next eight x value you're looking for, or is there like, you know, what are you looking for in that situation?
1: You know, I, I think the one thing that is pretty important is that every slate is different, and so you know, prior I was saying like pattern recognition and, and history repeating itself. But with that said, um, you know, you have to realize like there's little nuances and little differences to every slate, and you know, like a, a similar situation can arise and then you're like well in the past it happened like this right but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen like that just because there's so many different variables and you know little nuances can change like one little thing can can really change the whole scope of everything and then um you know like i said there's just so many variables like um you know pricing is such a huge thing right like Mm -hmm. one guy if one guy is priced like differently on a slate that changes the whole slate you know, like if there's a guy, just theoretically, if there's a guy, you know, he's priced at three thousand, right, or, yeah. or the minimum, and you know he's he's locked in for thirty minutes. I mean, right? I mean that changes the whole slate, right? So you you know, so you're not going to have that type of situation every time, right? So, um, you know that you always have to factor in, you know, the whole thing of. Uh, you know, you walk by a roulette table and you see the red, 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 black, black, black like it. That doesn't mean shit, right? Yeah, no, yeah. You know, e- each each role is the its next own. The the same, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be know, whatever it's gonna be. Yeah. Exactly. You know. So um, you know, you have to you know factor that in. Um, with that said, the, that's not to say that you know there's certain things that kind of that can you know skew you or not skew you in a certain direction, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, obviously, uh, if a guy is you know going to you know, see increased minutes, increased usage. I mean, that it is what it is, right? So you you know, you have to see and you know, I heard you mention about you know, kind of matchups and pace and things like that, right? Every matchup is different, right? Every pace is you know, uh, certain teams play faster than others. Um, you know, I mean, little, I mean, it even breaks down to like, you know, L A night, like for example, like the L A nightlife is undefeated, right? <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a little thing, you know, if you know, whatever if one city has, like, a great strip club and the guys go out there, like, you don't, I mean, you just don't know these things, right? So, obviously, some things, you know, you can factor in, but other things you cannot. So, um, but as a kind of general, uh, just a general way to look at things, um, you know, minutes are gold, right? And so, uh, you always want to try to identify uh, which guys are going to get the most usage or most minutes. And then from there, which guys are going to get, you know, more usage. Uh, and then you also, I mean, salary is such a huge part of the game, right? So um, in terms of like points expectations uh, and a range of outcomes is huge, right? Um, I think a lot of times uh, we don't factor in both ends of the spectrum. Uh, a lot of times we're kind of like, okay, uh, he can go 4x or 5x. You know, mm-hmm. without realizing, like, what's the downside here? What's the floor, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. yeah, what's the floor, what's the downside? And then also, um, you know, how does that kind of compare to uh, other players on the slate? And then most mm-hmm. importantly, because of this, you know, this particular part is about ownership, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, that in and of itself, like, the ownership aspect is huge, right? As, yeah. I mean, when you factor the ownership with a range of outcomes, um, that'll kind of lead you in certain directions, or mm-hmm. swing the pendulum one way or the other, right? Like, so obviously the higher um, the ownership on a player gets and, you know, kind of like the lower the salary gets, right? <laughs> like you, you figure like there's more people are going to flock there just because, mm-hmm. right, you know, the minutes, whatever usage, yeah. you know, just point expectations and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, you know, the the matrix is is always changing. Yeah. You know, and like, there's fundamental, you know, some fundamental core aspects of it. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just every day, every day is a new slate.
0: Yeah. So to, get, to give you guys like an example of recently, just a specific example of uh, of a recent slate. Like, so obviously the Orlando Magic had what nine players suspended or whatever in that last slate that they played, and I knew just from from again experience playing the slates over and over. And just watching people on Twitter, people I I respect and know, and who they're touting, you know, Bulbul. I mean, 4800 he was, I believe, on DK. uh, Low salary. Guy was going to be locked in for 30, 35 minutes. And I just knew that ownership was going to be sky high. Now, I don't remember exactly what he ended up with in terms of DK points. It wasn't the ceiling. It wasn't what everyone was hoping for. It wasn't like, you know... 30 points and 10 rebounds or something like that he was like he had like 14 points and like seven rebounds six rebounds something like that and at 4800 you know that's probably enough to to be okay i mean that's okay chalk right it's not gonna like kill you it's not gonna burn you but you know my whole i I went into that slate saying you know what bull bull is gonna have like 67 percent ownership so i'm just gonna fade Bull bull and look for some other guys maybe on this magic squad that i'm gonna play instead and i think that's a, a very valid you know especially in gpps that's a very valid uh way to attack that it's a, it's a very valid strategy to use to employ uh to try to beat the field because you're you're not playing to get the perfect score on the slate you know i said the same thing with, with thunder dan in the last strategy session you're playing against other people you have to know that, that's one thing i love about dfs it's not necessarily about you can know basketball you can know who's going to play well. You can know who's going to do well in what situation, but knowing your other players, knowing human behavior and what they're going to flock to and know, you know, knowing I think this is a really important episode because knowing a little bit, not, you're not going to know the exact ownership of, of a player, but you're going to know ballpark. You know, this guy's going to be higher owned than this guy. This guy's going to be, um, you know, 40 to 50% owned. you're going to know a, a range or just that this guy's going to be higher owned than another guy. So knowing that, and being able to take advantage of that, I think is really important. So, like another uh, situation when you were talking right there that, that just popped in my brain was like, you know, say a, a player was injured and then the, the backup player got in, and people are just looking at the box scores, right? And they're seeing, they're, they're clicking on the DK thing and looking at the game logs and they're seeing, oh, he only played 15, 18 minutes in that last game. But you look a little closer and you see he had five fouls. He was in foul trouble most of the time. That's a guy you play. Because that's everyone else is going to say, oh my gosh, he only scored twelve DK points and he played twenty, you know, eighteen minutes last game. Well, yeah, because he was in foul trouble. You you know the reason, and, and the reason was foul trouble. And that's the thing that the player can nece- not necessarily he won't necessarily like you said, the outcome's not always the same. He's not necessarily going to get in foul trouble again. That's an easy one to say. That's not going to happen every single time. So that's like this kind. And I'm this is just a fabricated situation. That's a kind of value you're looking for when you become a more experienced DFS player. Uh, am I am I right? Am I going crazy here? <laughs> no, I
1: mean no. You're completely on point. I mean, context context is everything, right? You can never take anything, you know, strictly from a value uh, from a, in a a vacuum perspective. Just because, like I said, there's just so many variables and so many so many nuances, and every slate changes. Just like one. You know, it's kind of like the butterfly effect, right? Like one little change here, I mean it just affects everything, right? And you have to, you know, take that into consideration. Um uh sorry about that. Um yeah, I mean
0: uh so let's talk about let's talk about chalk though. Let's talk about like you know, so we hear this, you know, we hear the term a lot, chalk. If you guys aren't familiar, if you're just a new player, chalk is just you know what we're talking about now is projecting ownership. Chalk is what you know the players you know, there's maybe two or three or four players on every slate that we know are going to have high ownership. Everyone's going to have them. They're good plays. Their price is too low. Their, their situation has changed and they've you know, jumped into minutes, whatever it is. That's the chalk. Now, at what point, you know, son, do you say, OK, this is good chalk, right? We say good chalk, bad chalk, good chalk. I'm going to eat this chalk. <laughs> Sometimes we say that. Uh, so this is the, a player I'm going to play despite the fact that he's going to be high owned. Or it's a it's bad chalk. This is a player that's going to be high owned. I'm going to fade this player, and I'm not going to play. It. I mean, I know I know it's situational. But like, are there certain rules or certain things you're looking for when you say, you know, this is good chalk, this is bad chalk?
1: Yes, I mean, there's a lot of tools that I look at. Um, you know, there's like uh, on-off tools. I think uh, RotoWire has a good on-off tool. Uh, you know, one of my favorite tools is, you know, pay dirt DFS. Like he has like the defensive efe- efficiency metric stuff like that stuff is really good. It shows like matchups and like, um, you know, how much above or below league average, you know, a certain team allows and fa- fantasy points and things like that uh, usage. I mean, to me, usage is is the big thing. Right. And um, if you go to uh, there's another site I, I forgot off the top of my head what it is, but you know basically if you you know there's a bunch of sites out there that kind of show players like their historical like um like dk fantasy points per minute like that really gives like kind of a general idea of what kind of player it is right and so when you factor in all those things um i you know usually kind of gravitates more for like the higher usage type players um or the players that are able to contribute in multiple categories um you know obviously there's you know certain examples you know say like uh you know Dwayne Washington like type Mm -hmm. of player like he's just gonna chuck threes and things like that like (laughs) um so you know like that type of player like you know you're probably not going to get too many rebounds assists you know defensive stats but he's gonna huck and chuck right and so it's then it comes to the range of outcomes right Mm -hmm. because like there's times when he can Get hot and ballistic right Mm -hmm. and you know you you know in that type of scenario he's probably priced in the three thousand range right so um i mean yeah he he's done it before he's gone 10x before right Mm -hmm. so uh that's like the kind of ceiling but then you also have to realize like the floor is super low right Mm because he can easily shoot one (laughs) for ten right and he's done that too right so you know you have to factor in the range of outcomes um you know and then you know ownership right obviously the higher the ownership then it's probably easier to fade the lower ownership, then yeah, you know, the upside is probably worth it. So that kind of risk reward ratio, uh, you you know, you really have to factor in, you know, all that stuff. So, um, but you know, usage to me is is pretty, uh, usually a big one, that's one that like I kind of lean towards because obviously a player that has the ball more, you know, in his hands has the opportunity to score fantasy goodies. Whereas a guy like that's kind of like a spot up shooter or uh, someone that's just kind of hanging on the corner um, it, it's a little more difficult so mm-hmm. you know you're just trying to skew the probabilities into your favor I mean that's that's all it is like we you know we don't have crystal balls we cannot identify mm-hmm. you know what exactly a player is going to do you know all we can do is just try to ascertain as much information as possible uh, and just try to skew the probabilities in our favor uh, and then you know I mean we'll just tie everything to ownership right because this is you know what this cut is about right mm-hmm. you know obviously um, you know, you're trying to win, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you alluded this. You alluded to this before. The higher ownership that a player, you know, has, like, it's easier to fade because, mm-hmm. um, if that player, so okay, think of it like this: like, if a if a player's, you know, sixty percent owned, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you use him, right, and whatever he goes ballistic it doesn't really matter because Mm. you're still on the train with 60 other percent of the people. And then another factor in it, uh, and this is obviously specific, specific, but a lot of times if you pick that particular player, sometimes it kind of locks you into the same build. So Mm. then it's harder to differentiate later. So then what's the point like how are you going <laughs> to win how are you going to win that way right yeah. you know obviously th- and that this is why i was saying like you know it's a lot of time that splits the splices, splices, uh, specifics sorry yeah. you know if there's if you can identify paths where you can differentiate from that chalk mm-hmm. then it's a little easier to eat the chalk but yeah. when especially when it kind of like everybody's just in the same boat and then you're all then it, it it's it's pointless like what what are you doing right like yeah. how are you winning right so you know the flip side to that is you know, if you fade that player, and then you know, if he if he busts or if he doesn't, you know, get to the expectations that you know everyone's, you know, you know looking for, then you're kind of exiting out sixty percent of the you know the player you know the pool the leaderboard, right? So then now you just have to compete with forty other you know percent, and then right, you know, differentiation and just kind of roster construction goes into it from there. So. You know, in terms of, like, eating chalk, um, yeah, like, you know, usage is... So, you know, the lower usage guys, it's easier to to fade them, right? Just because the the range of outcomes is a lot wider with those type of players. Um, You know, obviously, the cheaper a player is, uh, the more difficult it is to fade them, right? Because uh, whichever way that it goes, like... It's gonna be difficult for that player, like if he's like say you know three thousand whatever, it's gonna be very difficult for that player to kind of hurt you, <laughs> or yeah. you know like like either way, right, like um you know obviously, like the higher price a player is, um it's it's easier to kind of like go away from them, right, just mm-hmm. because there's more options up there, yeah. right, mm-hmm. and then in terms of like the point expectations like. You know, like in order for like a player to really kill you for not rostering them, right? It, it it's more you know, it's more difficult up there. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a three thousand, you know, price player, like, man, you know, like if he smashes, then you're kinda of, you're toast, right? It's hard yeah. to make that <laughs> up, right? So there's there's you know, so there's less avenues to kind of uh you know, go so I guess, you know, price, yeah, you know, I price is probably huge, price and, and usage, I guess, to answer your question.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, not to say that it can't go completely. So like, I don't want you guys to take away from this. And I think it, I, what's, what Sun said is absolutely right. I think, you know, I find myself fading the chalk, uh, especially when it's a higher price guy more often than not, because like you said, uh, and I like your point there, son, about, you know, even if that guy smashes, you're still in the same boat with 60% of other people. If you're at a GPP, I mean, you have to get every single other thing right to, to differentiate yourself enough from those other people. And it's just, the, it's a math game, and your odds are just so incredibly yeah. low at that point. Whereas if you, you know, play Demontis Sabonis instead of Jokic, and Jokic has a, a bummer, right? And everyone's playing him because they're playing OKC or, or or somebody that's you know somebody that has a terrible center position in in Charlotte. They're playing Charlotte, right? Everyone's gonna play Jokic against Charlotte, and uh, you know maybe the Denver beats them is, is up forty. You know by the time the third quarter starts, and all of a sudden Jokic is only playing twenty twenty two minutes. That is a situation where, you know, obviously the people that have Sabonis are going to crush the people that have Jokic, and it's a very simple call for you. So, but I don't want you guys to take away from this that You always need to fade the chalk. That's not, you know, sometimes it happens the other way. So, like, um, you know, Doncic was on the last slate and absolutely crushed it, and if you didn't have him, you weren't going to finish the top at all. I faded him because I said, you know what? This is the highest-priced guy on the slate. Everyone's going to have him. I'm going to do the thing I always do, and I'm going to fade the chalk. And uh, it didn't work out. And and sometimes that happens. You just have to live with that, you know. But, um, but I think it is a smart thing just mathematically and giving yourself the highest probability of winning to mostly, most times, 9 out of 10 times, I would say, fade the chalk. Like Giannis the day before was also chalk, but I ate that chalk because I said, you know what, I don't see anyone else on this in the top, you know, 10,000 to 12,000 range that's going to give me what Giannis is going to give me here. So I'm going to play it that worked out for me i ate the chalk and it was a good thing to do i won money that night so uh you know there's no cut and dry always fade the chalk type thing we're saying here that's not going to happen but i think most times it makes a lot of sense to go ahead and fade it so i I agree with you on that one there
1: yeah so can i can i interject one second yeah there's there's no cookie cutter answer here right um there's just so many variables that you have to you know incorporate and you know i mean i I keep harping on this, but it's it's the truth. You know, every slate is different. Mm -hmm. Um and you know, you just have to approach it that way. Uh there was one thing while you while you were talking that was I was kinda thinking about. Um you know, like uh, now I lost I lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) I lost I forgot what I was gonna say, but um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get back to it. Back it's to probably going to win us all money,
0: and now now you don't know, so it's okay. I understand. Nah. It all the time. <laughs> uh, but no, let me so t- let's talk about you. Let's so let's talk about what your you know player profile kind of looks like. You know, what do you find yourself playing more these days? Are you playing more single entries, more multi entries, GPPs, cash games? Like, what are you into these days? I mean, you know, do you have the time to look at 150 different lineups <laughs> Yeah,
1: I, I don't. I don't do multi. Um, hmm i probably stick to more single entry and then, you know, once in a while I'll dabble into like, you know, GPP just for, you know, shits and giggles. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I like, I like staying with single entry. Like I'm not a huge high volume guy. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you know, I'm not like, you know, cleaning the streets out there, things like that. But, uh, you know, I do like to play. Oh, all right. So, you know, I kind of do remember uh, Mm -hmm. what I I was saying before. It's like, um, us with that knowledge. Yeah. Like, um. Yeah, like, there's no cookie-cutter answer, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think one thing that I see a lot of people uh, having difficulties with is that, like, they end up chasing their tails, right? So, like, they'll be like, well, all right, I'm going to fade this guy here. Oh, it didn't work. Okay, so I'm going to play the chalk here, <laughs> you know? And they just keep yeah. chasing their tails. And, right. like, I think, you know, like, you have to have a you have to figure out your emotional temperament and mm-hmm. your phil- like your philosophical uh, viewpoint on DFS, mm-hmm. right? Because everybody, everybody has a different perspective, right? And some people have a different risk, risk profile than other people. Mm-hmm. They have a different psychological profile. Like some people are, you know, like for me personally, like it's not about uh, winning every sleep. Mm-hmm. Right. And for me, you know, it's, I mean, I, I come from a trading background. So like, you know, I, I traded, you know, my my own account for a long time. I started off as a market maker. And so like I paid a lot of tuition in trading. And so like I kinda know like the emotional, like all that stuff, right? The like risk management, all that stuff. But you know what what I finally ended up, you know, coming to was um it's not about trying to win every single time like every Mm -hmm. time you put on a trade every time you play slate it's not about trying to win every time it's about trying to maximize those times that you win Mm -hmm. right and like because you're gonna lose right there's Mm -hmm. mathematically it's impossible to win all the time so um you know when you win like you want to be able to hit it big when you win and this is why like factoring in ownership is, is huge right because you know as we said before like if you're on the same guys with you know everybody else like what's the point <laughs> like, you're not going to win like yeah, yeah like you like okay like yeah oh I, you know I, whatever i scored a lot of points it, like, it really honestly it, it doesn't matter how many points you score no. It, oh, it's, no. you know how many more points that you score than everybody else exactly right? and like you know a lot of times like on twitter like you'll see like i can't believe you know i put up whatever 250 points or whatever and you know i barely min <laughs> cash or something like that yeah. but that goes back to every slate is different Right, like it, so, it doesn't matter what the raw points are. Mm-hmm. What matters is, you know, how many more points than anybody else you you know use it. So, you know, back to ownership, like, you know, you want to skew the probabilities into your favor to try to to hit it, right? Because, you know, when you do, like, when your two percent guy hits, like, like there's been so many times where if you just because I'm sure everybody looks at projections, right? If you just look at projections, like you know, obviously, it's, you know, usually, like, showing the medium, you know, it, some play, some sites show, show, like, range of outcomes, like, their ceiling, their floor, things like that, but a lot of times, like, it would just be kind of, like, in the middle, right, and, um, you know, back to your example of, like, a team playing Charlotte, right, most people are going to flock there, like, Joe Gish to Charlotte, but sometimes, if you look at, like, even projections, like, you know, the guy right below, like, he's projected for, you know, like, one point less, but he has, like, you know, he's, you know, 2% projected ownership, like, you know, maybe, like, he's going against Cleveland, right? The mm-hmm. pace is slow. They're one of the best defensive teams, you know, right? But you're like, man, you know, I mean, what if he hits, right? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. if Jokic doesn't, right? Then, man, you're ahead of everybody that played Jokic, and now you're only competing with two other, 2% other? Mm-hmm. So your odds of winning are just, have just, you know skyrocketed right there exactly so, so you just want to give yourself the best chance you know uh to win
0: and my biggest hit this season actually uh and uh it wasn't a lot i mean i was like well i ended up like 14th out of like oh gosh i think it was like 14,000 or something like that 15,000. so you know it's it pretty, yeah, nice. it pretty good yeah pretty good yeah it's, nice. it's a really big field uh pretty good pretty nice takedown uh you know i was hoping for a little bit more but unfortunately dennis schroeder got fouled out in the fourth quarter <laughs> jerk uh dennis but i was uh, yeah, he was a menace that night, but that's okay though. I, you know, still a pretty good takeaway. And uh, but but the, but the, what worked out for me in that situation was I can't remember who it was, but there was a value center on the slate that everybody had, and I had Jokic, and it was Fanduel. So you know, it's one of those. And I actually let me go ahead and back up here and okay. just say I actually enjoy I actually enjoy Fanduel more than I enjoy DraftKings because it does limit you a little bit, and that actually helps me because you know. Okay. It helps me say that you know I, I want to play this center instead of this center. Yeah, like that—that's a specific one that you can use on Fanduel. You know, hey, everyone's gonna have this center. I'm gonna have this center. And I can't right. remember who the value center was that night, but I think it might have been Nas Reed actually. It might have yeah. been Nas Reed, and he got hurt. Yeah, he got. Hurt. It was against the Bulls, I believe, actually. Yeah, right. he got hurt, <laughs> uh, and uh, and so he got hurt, and everyone had like I, I don't know something crazy like 67 percent of the field had Nas Reed. Jokic was like. 5% owned or something yeah, like that. It's crazy. Ridiculous. And this is a, you know, MVP, Jokic. Yeah. And that's because yeah. everybody, in it's fan duel, so you have to play a center. You can only play one center. And so if you wanted to play Nas Reed, you could not play Jokic. And so that worked out for me. And that was exactly why, you know, not to say that I came into that slate saying, you know, Nasreed's Reed's going to get hurt. I came into that slate saying, you know what, everyone's going to have Nasreed. Reed. He's playing my Bulls. I don't want to play him anyways because, you know what, that's just me. I don't want to play guys going against my team usually. Uh, but also, you know, it, I don't know if I trust Nasreed. Reed. You know, maybe Nasreed Reed uh, gets in foul trouble. Maybe Nas Reed doesn't, you know, play so hot. You know, I, I don't know what it is. But uh, And it's funny because that was actually really unique because I actually stacked that game elsewhere on that slate. Uh, I believe because that was the, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the, and the Bulls, and so I stacked like Anthony Edwards and DeMar DeRozan and some other guys in there as well. Uh, I couldn't have had all the wall in there with Jokic, but you know what I mean. I stacked that game uh, pretty heavily, and it worked out for me. But like that was the one thing that 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 led to the win was that you know everyone had Nas Reed. I had Jokic and it was just like I crushed it because Jokic had like a seventy point nine or something like that. He yeah. had a really good like matchup that night, too, if I remember correctly. It was a team that was not good against the center position. So it surprised yeah. me. It so No, long.
1: definitely. So, you know, that's exactly what you want to look for. And, uh, you know, the thing about, I think, DFS and, uh, you know, a lot of times like <laughs> we as human beings, like we we get this like sense of hubris sometimes where we think we know what's going to happen mm-hmm. we don't we we cannot freaking predict the future right and so that's why you know range of outcomes is huge right like you know like okay so we'll go back to your Nasri example right okay Nasri great spot whatever he's cheap you know 60% you know whatever ownership you know like you said he could get in foul trail he could mm-hmm. tweak an ankle right he oh, could yeah. You know, he could have had some bad, you know, Chick-fil-A. Right? His stomach might be like, <laughs> you never know. Yeah. like, there's just so many different ways. Like, we just don't know. Like, so many things can happen. Right. You know, the team bus can be late. I mean, whatever. It could be anything. It doesn't really matter. Right. It's just, you know, the, the hubris that we have sometimes in thinking that we know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, in a way, it's actually good that it's out there because then it's something that you can exploit like for example like you know back to like you know markets and things like that like you know my buddy gave me a book long 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 time ago early on in my career and it's like the efficient market hypothesis right and so basically the basic premise of it is like there's all this information out there and every market participant because all the information is out there um they're gonna trade on that information the same. So because of that, because if everything is transparent, blah, 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 the market will be efficient, right? Because everybody will have the values, you know, whatever, completely, whatever, you know, like, it'll just end up trading to a point where there's kind of like some sort of equilibrium, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that, right? <laughs> because everybody has different perspectives. Everybody has different ideas of what's gonna happen, right? Different expectations just there's just so much differences out there and then um you know it goes to the point of like you know sometimes there's people that truly believe you know 100% willing to mortgage the house that mm-hmm. you know x is going to happen but mm-hmm. on the flip side right there's all these people that that are fading that and they think the other way and they right so mm-hmm. you know it's just you know the the hubris of human human beings right is uh you know, is, is, it's a force, it's a force, but it's, it's one that, you know, allows, uh, especially in DFS, uh, allows mm-hmm. for an edge, right? Allows yeah. for, like, ex- exploitation, right? Yeah.
0: You have to, yes, yes, absolutely. You have to understand human behavior. You have to exploit that. I think that's a really important thing, especially with these GPPs we're talking about here. But, I mean, that's a, that's the reason I don't do, you know, uh, and I still do wagering. If you guys don't have the wager pass, go get it, Sportitos. I'm killing it this year, by the way. I, I have to do the units. Nice. I, was up, I was up almost 10 units. I don't know what I have now. It's got to be a little bit more. But, anyways, uh, back to my point here. Uh, so, yeah, when were talking about, like, wagering, I was doing, you know, trying to uh, gauge my my confidence level in a play, and I was doing one unit bets, two unit bets, three unit bets, and I was saying, you know, oh man, and I turned out to miss so many freaking three unit bets, and this was like two years ago, I think it was. That I just said, you know what? Everything from now on is just a unit bet, because as much as you feel like something is bound to happen, it's the more it's almost like it's it's a fallacy. It's like the more confident you are about something. I won't say that, I'm not going to say the more confident you're about something, the more likely it's to, it is to not happen. That's just that's just not true. There's right. nothing nothing that you feel is changing <laughs> something else that's happening in the world. That's well, you not, could have that
1: power. You may have.
0: Well, maybe I powerful, do. Maybe so. maybe I have the reverse <laughs> power of what I want to happen. I bet more money on something so it doesn't happen. That would suck. <laughs> that would be a terror. That's like the reverse minus touch or something. Uh, but no. So, but I I keep everything one unit because of the, the same thing you're saying though. Like even though I feel extremely confident about something. There's no guarantee that's going to happen. I mean, there's so many, uh, like I said, factors that happen. Like, you know, I thought Joel Embiid was going to have a good night tonight. You know, no no James Harden. No, uh, they're playing against uh, – who was it? They're playing tonight. I think it was OKC. OKC. And I'm like, you know what? Joel Embiid's going to have a fantastic night. I'm so sure of this. I'm putting him in all my DFS lineups. And, you nope, know, he crapped the bed, man. He just, like, couldn't finish a layup. I don't know. This guy, I think the Monsters came down and took his, his powers, man, because he's just not play <laughs> basketball. But uh, it just it happens, man. And, you know, in basketball – it is one of the sports, I mean, actually, you know what, let me ask you something, because you play yeah. multiple sports, so right. is basketball more predictable than baseball, football, you know, the other, hockey, I mean, I don't know which other sports you play.
1: Yeah, no, obviously, you know, it has the least amount of variance, and like, it, it is the most predictable, mm-hmm. um, but that's not to say that you can predict, you know, outcomes, especially in short sample sizes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's... Because there's more possessions and there's, you know, whatever, like just the, the basic structure of the game mm-hmm. allows for the data sets to be, you know, I guess more, what's what's the word? Um, not predictable, but like, like you can feel more confident in mm-hmm. them to some mm-hmm. degree. But, you know, I mean, anything can happen on one game, right? Mm. Anything can happen in one quarter, right? So like... You know, if a player's career like, you know, whatever Jonas's career average is I, I don't even know, I just about twenty-eight points and twelve mm-hmm. rebounds, whatever. He's done that for sample size of you know hundreds of games, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, more than likely, right? <laughs> He's gonna <Yeah>. end up <laughs> close to that, right? Mm-hmm. But on one single game, right, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It mm-hmm. it doesn't really doesn't matter. Like so, you know, all that does is it kind of gives you an idea mm-hmm. and like a range of where you can kind of expect things to happen but you know like like you just don't know right like somebody in front the front court could spill some liquid and right he slips <laughs> right you know yeah. like you know just random stuff can happen in you know one game so um yeah like so you know and and i guess that's one way to kind of get an edge too right because everybody thinks that basketball is is predictable yeah. and you know it out of all the sports it is yeah. right it has the least amount of variance but that doesn't mean that variance doesn't exist, right? Yeah. And I think that's that's an issue, especially, like, sometimes people, like, I'll see them on, on Twitter when they start tilting their faces off. You know, they're like, <laughs> oh, how did this happen? How is Get it possible? Tape. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, honestly, the craziest thing to me is when, like, a dude gets injured and these people are like, you know, they want to sue seriously. Fit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they want to start suing fans and DraftKings. Like, that's the craziest <laughs> thing to me, you know? It's just crazy, right? Stuff but you, <laughs> you know, like get over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's part of the game, right? Yeah. But I think, I think part of it too is because people think that you know, like basketball is so predictable, right? That if it doesn't happen the way that they expect it to happen, then then something is is amiss. Yeah. But it's, that, that's not the case. It's just. You know, hey, anything can happen, right? Yeah, like, it's, yeah. it's crazy. It's true. And
0: that's, I mean, that's, you know, if you're betting, and, you know, we call it DFS. It's DFS has done such a smart job of being like, no, we're Daily Fantasy Sports. We're not betting. It's betting. You're, what you're doing yeah. is you're betting. You're trying to guess at the outcome of the game or, or specific outcomes of different players. Yeah. And when you're betting, I mean, like you said, it, 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 there's variance. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. You, you think someone's going to get, they could put it, I see, you, you see his promos, right? It's like, uh, Giannis will score one point. I mean, like you said, maybe he slips and falls on the first play of the game. He doesn't score one point, and then you just get screwed on that promo. I guarantee oh, yeah. you that company didn't put that thing on the floor to, to make him slip and hurt himself. It's just, it's just life. Life just, ha- it things happen, and you can't necessarily, there's nothing's 100%. Definitely nothing if, is
1: 100%. I, I think the best, uh, analogy is poker. Uh, there's just so many similarities between DFS and poker, and I think there's a reason why a lot of the, the poker dudes that were killing it are killing it in DFS, right? Uh was people too. <laughs> yeah? Oh, yeah. that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. But, yeah. you know, like you get pocket aces. Similar, yeah. It's yeah, similar. right? You get pocket aces and the probabilities of you winning, you know, are, are very high. Yeah. But then, right, when, you know, the flop comes out, then things change, <laughs> right? right. Know, the- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, they can change for the better or for the worse. Uh-huh. But even then, right? I mean, obviously, if the flop comes a say something, then, yeah, you got the nuts, right? Right. right. So then, you know, 100%. But more often than not, like, yeah, the probabilities may go up or down, but they're still, you know, w- w- dependent on the cards, right? There could be some, you know, dude, you know, needs a one-outer or two-outer or whatever, and then he can beat you, right? And then, mm-hmm. you know, the turn comes, the river comes, right? So, I mean, that's that's similar to DFS, right? Like, if you... You know, I mean, we'll go back to the, the value example, right? If the guy's 3,000 bucks, whatever, and uh, he's projected to play 35 minutes and, you know, he's a, you know, you know, pretty decent usage player, right? 22% usage, whatever. The probabilities of him smashing and probably going 10x are very high, right? Right? It's very high. But that doesn't mean that he's going to score 30 DK fantasy points, right? He can score 15, right? It's, it's well within range of outcomes. Like, anything can happen. So, yeah.
0: I know we're talking about projecting ownership, but you just made me think about something. So
1: when you're playing poker… Let's go. When, yeah,
0: let's just take it all over. Well, when you're talking about poker, and you, you brought me back to my… So shout out to the uh, uh, Grand Victoria Casino boat in Elgin, Illinois, my, uh, my my learning ground, my little play area for nice. about two nice. or three years. I used to go there okay. every weekend okay. uh, and spend all weekend there in the poker room because I just… Well, what, what, what game speech. did you play? Put? Uh, put, Hold'em. I played Hold'em. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I played hold'em and I would sometimes play roulette but roulette I mean there's no strategy there you just yeah, yeah. you just throw away your money basically but uh, but anyways no uh, but yeah it, um so when you're Playing poker and you're a somewhat skilled. I'm not going to call myself. I was never a professional poker player. I never like made my living. You know, I I end up winning some money some weekends. Some weekends I lost it. It was a fun thing for me to do. It was a good way to pass my time. I was never. I was not even semi professional, so I wasn't a great poker player. But, uh, but one of the things you do learn when you become a certain skill level is that when you're sitting at a table, you want to find the fish at the table. You want to take their stack. So you want to find the guy that you are very sure that you know more about the game of poker than they do and that doesn't mean that you have the best cards that does not mean that at all that right. just means that you know how they're going to act right. you know how they're going to act to how you act and that's how you make your money uh reliably in the game of poker is knowing you know hey this guy is uh every time someone raised three you know th- three raises them they fold right, right. I have nothing in my hand. I'm in one-on-one with this guy. What am I going to do? Am I going to fold? Am I going to check? No, I'm going to three raise him because I, I'm taking down this pot pretty much guaranteed. Right. Um. So and that's a, an extreme example. Obviously, obviously, no one is that bad. Well, some people are that bad at poker, but <laughs> hopefully, no one's that bad at poker that's put, putting actual money on it. Uh. But anyways, you know that's the kind of thing. So if you're talking about you know transitioning as DFS it's the same kind of thing you know and we, when i talked to greg uh, Ehrenberg in the first strategy session he was saying you want to try to get into these tournaments that are lower stakes because there are more newer players easier players so if you're struggling out there and you're on a losing streak and you're just not doing so high, you know that's something to consider is try to get in those pools with players that maybe have a little bit less skill than other players do um that is something to think about because it, in the end, we've we been saying it this whole episode, but in the end, it is you against other people. It's just you you want to be better than the other people at this game we're playing. It doesn't have to be you against, you know, you don't have to get the perfect lineup. You don't have to get, you know, this guy, that guy. It, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be the best basketball knowledge person in the world. You don't even have to watch basketball. You just have to understand a little bit of what you're doing and be better than the other people in the room. So
1: yeah, I think no, that's, that's, yeah, no. go ahead. De- yeah. No, definitely. Um, you know, I think Greg you know, Greg's very sharp. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he does he does really good work. So uh yeah, no, he's you know, everyone, you know, should probably, you know, follow him and, and listen to him. I think uh you know, there's some I think some basics that kind of permeate through most things that have to do with gambling, right? Yeah. Um and I think the biggest one is uh you know, bankroll management. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I think people really get uh get messed up with that right especially when they get on tilt and you know get really emotional mm-hmm. uh and you know I, I just think that uh you know ego right ego plays a huge part uh in, in what we do and sometimes it's uh it's a detriment mm-hmm. right because it, it makes you sometimes it it gets you to do certain things that you don't want to do and mm-hmm. then right and sometimes it, it kind of clouds you from certain things that you need to see mm-hmm. right so uh you know bankroll management uh, you know there's most people do talk about this, which is good, right? But mm-hmm. I think you just have to harp on it. Like, um, I mean, you just you just have to have a plan, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just be like, all right, this is my plan. This is how much I'm going to set aside and then just just stick to it, right? And like, don't get on tilt and try to chase stuff or, or whatnot. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, I'm sure you did this poker, right? Like, you build a stack, you know? uh, And mm-hmm. then, you know, you're not going to, I'm not going to move up levels until I reach a certain goal, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but, you know, if you read most of, like, you know the guys that like you know made it through the ladder or whatever when they hit a down streak right they they go down to the game mm-hmm. right so if they go up to five ten they, you know they're gonna go down to one two right mm-hmm. build up their stack again right and mm-hmm. so you know not only does it you know save your money but then it also kind of like forces you to focus again right kind of right so um you know bankroll because you know a chip in a chair right like if you don't have a chair if you don't have a chip like you're out of the game right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know gotta be in the the game doing it yeah Mm -hmm. exactly like the the first goal is you know survival Mm -hmm. you want to survive and then you know after that then you can kind of see where you can go and it's like um you know like back to trading sorry it's just such a big part of my life you know but like the analogy is uh uh you know before i would put on a trade and i would just think of just like the glory the upside right Mm -hmm. um but then after a while like I realize, uh, like, that stuff will come, right? But what's more important is, you know, survival. So, like, anytime I put on a trade, like, I know exactly where I'm getting out. I know my (laughs) downside. And then, you know, not only – and it's not just the monetary aspect of it, but it's also the emotional capital, right? Because a lot of times, like, you know, if you hold on to a loser, like, it mm-hmm. just affects you, right? And then it, and then you cannot concentrate on your next trade. So, it, it, I mean, it's right. very applicable to DFS, right? Like, you keep losing, right, DFS, slate after slate after slate, and then you start putting more money, blah, 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 right? And then it just really affects you emotionally, and you're not able to think clearly and objectively, right? So then a lot of times, like, you know, you just got to step up. Play the dollar game, play the, whatever, quarter game, whatever. You have to step down and just kind of refocus and, 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 and do that. So um, another thing I was kind of thinking was, like, you know, game selection game selection is huge, right, mm-hmm. and you know, alluding to what Greg was saying, like, yeah, you, I mean, you don't want to play against Phil Ivy, <laughs> like, you don't want to play, <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> you want to play against, you want to play against the guys that, that aren't as good, right, but I think past that, though, um, there's so many different contests out there mm-hmm. that, like, and this goes back to, like, kind of figuring out you, you as, like, a DK player, you as whatever, a gambler, whatever, whatever it may be, right, but like, you know, you have to figure out your risk profile, your emotional standing, right? And oh, yeah. are you going to be, because playing single entry versus mass multi-entering, they're two different animals, It requ- right? It requires different stuff, different perspectives, just different emotional, uh, just, you know, There's you know, so you have to figure out, you know, what your vision is and what your kind of makeup is, and then go from there, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, I don't know, I, I, are you familiar with Jordan Cooper? And, no, I'm okay not. so i mean i think he's i think he's really good um you know theory of dfs and like you know he you know he's really good with you know just breaking things down um and not just ownership and just gamemanship you know he used to play poker too i guess mm. uh but um you know contest selection like all that stuff is is very important um and you know i mean you don't have to You don't have to do what other people are doing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, do what, like, you're comfortable with, right? Like, you know, playing a three-man or whatever, a ten-man, like, okay. Like, or play double up. I mean, if that's, you know, where you're... So, so basically, like, you have to, you know, you have to do stuff, right? You have to, like, just play in these contests and then see... You know what you're doing, how you're doing, where you feel most comfortable, where you're most successful, right? And then from there, then you can kind of like hone on, and hone in, and then just focus on that, right? um You know, one yeah. thing that like I, I hear and I read from like, because you know I'm far from like a, a top player or expert in anything like that, but like, you know, I definitely try to read and, and listen to like people that are, you know, just you know killing it, right? But, um, you know, like. Simple thing, I think, like, just any contest that you're in, like, like you want to see what the top players are doing, right? Yeah. So every slate, like, look look what they're doing, right? Like, and then just break down, like, try to reverse engineer the lineups. Like, why yeah. are they, you know, like, why are yeah. they doing this? Why did they pick this guy? Why did they do this? And then, you know, then it, it'll allow you to kind of think deeper into it because sometimes, like, you'll see the lineup, but then there's more context to it, right? So you have to try to look for the context, right? And then, so, you know, there's just... I mean, this DFS is such a great game, right? Just because there's so <laughs> many, right? There's so many rabbit holes you can go down, and there's so many, you know, different nuances and, um, just, yeah, you know, just it's never the same, right? It's just always different, which is which is fun, right? That's part of the challenge, right? I'm trying to think. Um, yeah. yeah. Now,
0: I, the other thing I, you, while you're talking about that, I was actually thinking about because I love i love games like this so i love poker i love stuff yeah. like that I mean, this is likewise this all falls yeah this all falls in the same same category definitely but i recently uh i think it was maybe about two years ago i started my journey here uh to become the chess champion of the world uh no just chess just, i nice. just try to learn chess
1: i tried yeah to i've been playing a little bit too this.
0: yeah I, I suck but yeah i have been playing. but it's the same thing what you're talking about what, you, what made me think about that was you know you're talking about you know you want to reverse engineer why these people made these choices and that's the same thing you 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 study chess end games you study those you try to understand how we got here how to go from here to where you want to go um but yeah you, and these are the top players you're studying that you know before the internet existed, these there were books with you know these things printed, and I'm yeah. sure you all saw that uh, that Netflix series uh, with uh, about chess, but I can't remember the name of it now. The Queen's the Gambit. Queen's, Queens yeah. Gambit. <laughs> yeah. And and you know she's looking at these books and reading these books, and they're trying to put these on the board and study these things. And these are top players, and like you said, you, you want to study what the top players are doing, uh you know their openings, their endings, their their mid you know middle games, you know all this stuff to understand you know how they're getting from the the, the point you want the point we're starting to where you want to go, which is defeating. The top players you want to be you want to be the one of those top players so yeah. uh so i really like that point that you made though um i think it's a very similar thing you know um and not just that but like also, stu- I think for me personally, because like you know, I, I'm a I'm a big uh, Overwatch player too. And I, I don't think you talked us nice. this before on your yeah. podcast, but uh, I, I reached master's level, which is not nice. It's not grandmasters, but it's <laughs> it's right below. Yeah. You know, it's not not the professionals. On right below, you know, maybe if I was like younger and a little bit faster with my fingers, I could have been semi pro or something. But but no. Um. But you know, as I'm playing this game, uh, and, and studying these things, you know. It's the same thing. You know, you want to study. I used to watch uh, OWL, uh, Overwatch League, which is on ESPN, right? They they, they have these professionals playing. And I would study what these guys were doing and the stuff that that I was missing. But as I'm studying this also, I'm thinking, how can I subvert this? If I know if I'm playing, because like once you get to that next level (laughs) playing top players, now all of a sudden you know what they're doing. And so, how do you go against... Because again, this is against—it's going against the grain. That's what you want to do, especially when it's like a—you know—talking about DFS. It's a large. I know we've kind of gotten off topic here a little bit, but DFS—it's a large field. DPP or something like that. There's a lot of people in this. You want to go against that grain. So, like you know, even when a strategy works or or a certain thing makes sense, so you can understand it. You have to understand, you know, how do I, how do I subvert how? For me, I play—I was a Lucio main in Overwatch, mm-hmm. so I okay. used to watch these Lucio mains play this play this game. I saw. I like how they play this game. I, and they're all playing the same way, though. So how do I play it a little bit differently? And you know, I think that helped me. And I'm not playing against top level, but I'm playing against other people, and I'm playing against still pretty still skilled players that the level I was playing at. And so how's that? You know, how do I play a little differently that they've never seen this type of Lucio before? They've seen this Lucio, they've seen that Lucio, but they've never seen this type of Lucio. And that's the same thing with DFS. How do I be this type of DFS player so that no one's, you know, no one right now is playing this way. And i'm playing this way and that's why i'm able to take down these gpps or, or what what have you so
1: yeah no for sure um you know I, I i love you know when we just talk and just go off on different ways i love that you know and you know that's one like you know just everything just flows um but like the i don't know to me the, like the universe connects right like some you know things that you can learn from one aspect of life is c- completely applicable to other aspects right and it just You know, just everything just connects and like you know, utilize all that information, right? Because it it can be very valuable. Um, you know, back to your chess example. uh, You know, it's funny. I was talking to my buddy. I've been I play with them all the time, and you know, like I said, I suck, but you know, like (laughs) I've definitely got to learn. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, no, I've definitely gotten better. And like, um, you know, there's things like you know, pattern recognition, right? Like, you know, he does a move enough, I realize it. I'm like, Mm. oh, okay, right? Like, you know he always catches me with this. So then, you know, now I start seeing it, right? But one, you know, one insightful thing that he said today, actually I talked to him earlier, was that, um, you know, he was like, yeah, like your middle to end game is getting better, right? Um, and, you know, we were just kind of, you know, talking about it and thinking about it. And I was like, well, maybe it's because like a lot of the pieces are gone. And so like things for me, like it's it's more clear. Like, so I'm able to see things easier. It's right, yeah. like there's less noise. Mm-hmm. Whereas for him, he's better in the beginning game because maybe he, he likes the chaos. He likes all that stuff. And, like, he's able to see through all that stuff. And, like, it, you know, it goes back to, like, everybody being different, right? Mm-hmm. Every, you know, concept. Recognize your strengths. Exactly. Yeah. Recognize your strengths, right? Recognize your weaknesses, right? Mm-hmm. And then go from there. Like, for example, like, yeah, like, if you don't have the GPP mindset, don't be put in on 150 hands. Yeah. Right? Don't do it, man. <laughs> you know, or, yeah. Or like, you know, You're if you yourself. can't, yeah. If you don't like playing just one lineup, you don't like single entry, whatever. Like, yeah, don't do it. Why? Why are you doing it, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. yeah, man, I love it. I, everything, <laughs> everything.
0: Understand something about yourself. Now I like it. That's a good point though for us to end this session here i hope you guys enjoyed it man that was our strategy session number three we were talking about projecting ownership and then maybe just some other chaos at the end, but, <laughs> but it was it was all good man yeah thank you sorry sorry yeah.
1: for, sorry for taking you no. off the wheels man i apologize no
0: no you're fine man it was always every time you get something like that you know it's a good conversation but it was a pleasure man it always is a pleasure anytime we talk it always it's always mind-opening for me so I always appreciate your time, man. I appreciate you coming on with us.
1: I'm, I'm humbled and honored. Um, and, you know, like, keep doing your good work, man. You're doing good stuff. so
0: Appreciate it, man. And, and hey, where can people find your work, man? Speaking of work, um, I know they can find you on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle, all that good stuff?
1: Uh, Twitter handle, Stan underscore Uh, So, you know, I'm the lead guy over at Razzball, so I do the recaps on Mondays or some for the Sunday night games and then, you know, edit all the other work. Uh, I write, you know, content for DraftKings, uh, basketball and football. Uh, and then I'm writing basketball content for The Athletic. So, yeah, check out all, all those things.
0: Which is awesome, man. I'm, I'm,
1: that's awesome that you're,
0: uh, you know, contributing to Athletic. I love everything The Athletic does. But anyways, I am Keith Cork. You can find me on Twitter at, at @bsvpkeith Keith, we're going to do some more of these guys. We're going to have hopefully about six, seven, eight of these strategy sessions with some other other people here. And just have a series just you can listen to if you're a new player, intermediate player. Uh, expert level player. Hopefully you can take something away from this guys, but uh, until next time, go get that money.
1: Get that money. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Appreciate it. Later.